All right, everyone. It is Monday, October 4th. Welcome to October. This is one of the best months of the year. Yeah. Aren't you? I, are, are you back in on fall? Have you have you come around? I never was out on fall. I was never are you out double on. down. Are you double downing on fall? I am not taking a stance about fall. I'm saying October is a great <laughs> month and that's it. OK, OK, OK. Um, welcome back to the Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pat Finn uh, coming at you live from Charlotte, North Carolina. We got Billy Ray Mitchell up there in Westwood, New Jersey, hashtag East Coast Bill. And then uh, Grayson will be running a couple interviews today. I think he ran both of the interviews from the West Coast, but he's on the East Coast right now. We might be seeing him in Blacksburg at a tailgate near you on Saturday against Notre Dame. More to come on that. Welcome back to the Suns. We want to deliver a message to you from our friends at the Main Street Pharmacy. The message is this. It's simple. When you go to the Main Street Pharmacy, you are not a number. You are a neighbor. Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts, the king of Blacksburg, will take care of you. He will greet you with a smile. He will answer your questions. He will fill your prescriptions. He will sell you Sons of Saturday swag, merch, flags, T-shirts, stickers, pins, more pins, more pins there this weekend. Beat Notre Dame pins with the Stripey logo. Head on down there. Great place. Best pharmacy in all of Virginia. Check it out. Um, all right. We got a hokey haiku. Just wrote this up a, a few minutes ago. Hokey haiku is brought to you by the Main Street Pharmacy. The boys are thankful. Rested up from the bye week. Hope offense wakes up. Plain and simple. Um, yeah. Bill, how you doing, man? I know you're, you're back home. What are you doing back home? Uh, and yeah. catch us up on. Yeah. I flew back on, um, on Thursday, I think I don't really remember what specific day I flew back, but I flew back early, uh, for the Notre Dame game just to come home, see the parents, um, hang out a little bit. Uh, and it's been great. And I think I tweeted it the other day. I miss the East Coast. I miss people who are, you know, walking around, talking about their job, um, you know, being uh, being career focused. I've missed that. It's very laid back in San Diego. So I think at, I think we're getting closer to that time where it is time to um, for the for the uh, what is it? The hens to come to roost or no, whatever. As Steve, as Steve Bryce would say, the chickens have come home to roost. Right? Yes, the chicken has come home. The chicken needs to come home and roost here pretty soon. Um, but you miss the fall weather too. They don't get fall. Yeah, I mean, this is as good. This I, I told everybody, and everybody's talking about it. This is the best weather. This is peak New Jersey weather um, right now. It's like. You know, it's in the six. It's in the high sixties at night. It's you know, you may got some, you got some dew on the grass in the morning, and then it's like seventy during the day. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, but on that note, let's talk about what we did on the bye week. Um, I don't know if any of you all saw it on our Instagram. Um, Adam Roth headed down to the Cotton Bowl to watch Texas A and M play Mississippi State, which was a great Cotton game, Bowl. by the way. Um, wasn't it the no. Cotton Bowl? No, I think it was at Kyle Field. Oh, that's right. He stopped to see the Cotton Bowl, and it was okay. at Kyle Field. But he saw a great, he saw a great football game. Um, Mississippi State was one of the fifty teams. It seems like that upset a ranked opponent. Um, they went into Kyle Field and beat Texas A and M. For me, I had a very, I had a very throwback Saturday. I sat on my couch in my underwear. My dad made chili, and we watched um, football literally from eleven a.m. until. 11 p.m. Um, it was great. 
Uh, one of my dad's best friends, Mike Ryan, was in town. He played at Boston College with Doug Flutie. He was a center for Doug Flutie. Um, so, yeah, just watched a ton of football, went into the city a little bit, and uh, just recharged, got away from Hokie Twitter, didn't tweet a lot, didn't uh, do too much of that. But that was uh, that was my bye weekend. What about you, Pat? Yeah, a little bit of the same. Watched a ton of football around Charlotte. I uh, kicked it off at Selwyn Avenue Pub. Uh, with some transfusions down there. Uh, but it was honestly kind of a low-key weekend, just going place to place, watching games, throwing a couple units around. You know, enjoy a nice college football slate when we have the bye week. It's not like there are any uh, any boring games or any, you know, lack of competition going out there. Um, but, yeah, excited to uh, to play Notre Dame this week. Just to get kind of give you guys an overview of what this episode will entail, we have two interviews coming up. Um, we have... John Cranham, Dr. John Cran, and John Laser. So the John and John, you know, Mike and Mike, we got Mike Jones and Mike Young on the recruiting trail, kicking butt, taking names for Hokies basketball. And then we got John and John talking about clean mountain air, talking about the Cornell effect. Um, so we will be talking about this, uh, this upcoming tailgate this weekend where uh, Lays, um, we're, we're essentially going to set up like a joint, um, or I know they have it set up, a, uh, a joint giveaway for um, John Cran's books, The Cornell Effect, about his son Cornell Cranham, and then uh, Lays will be there as well. So that'll be really cool. Stay tuned and listen to that uh, in the episode that Grayson ran with them. And then following that, uh, we have Bailey Angle joining the show. Bailey is the in-venue host for Hokie Sports. If you recognize the voice, if you recognize the name, Bailey is the guy on the Jumbotron carrying around the microphone around Lane Stadium on game day. If you remember from week one, uh, Baxter, I believe his name was, from the Corps of Cadets, uh, living on a prayer. Living on a prayer. Baxter, we still, you know, the jury is still out on Baxter if he knew the lyrics to living on a prayer. Uh, but that was hilarious. Jury is not out. No, guilty. That guy did not know the lyrics. There's no, there's no jury is still out. That guy did not know the lyrics, period. Sure, yeah, Baxter's yeah. a great guy. Sure, Baxter, you know, would be a ton of fun to hang out with, but we can't not know the hits. What 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 are we doing? Let's 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 read it. Let's let's do some learning, some uh, some <laughs> um, some field research. That is an important song. You need to know the words too. The uh, the James Mitchell painting of Tavion Robinson was hysterical. That Baxter actually is the proud owner of that, um, gifted by Bailey Angus. So we have Grayson interviewing Bailey as well. He's going to chat about his new gig. With Hokie Sports, uh, you may also know Bailey from his freelance work that he does with the ACC Network, and he is a proud Hokie alum. So we're happy to uh, to have both the Johns and the Bailey on the pod. Um, so for the next couple minutes here, before we jump into the first interview, Bill and I are going to hash out kind of the news and notes over the past week. Uh, we'll start with this. Virginia Tech basketball, Mike and Mike. Mike Jones, the Mike Jones effect. Rodney Rice, come on down. A class of 2022 combo guard out of Maryland. Guys, this is a massive, massive recruit out of Hokies basketball. And really just kind of continuing continuing the efforts uh, that the staff has made on the trail over the past three years. This is year three of Mike Young. This is the number one highest ranked recruit in the Mike Young era thus far, using that Mike Jones connection uh, just to to catch everyone up. Mike Jones, our new assistant coach, was the former head coach at DeMatha Catholic High School in Maryland. 
a basketball powerhouse. And Rodney Rice is one of the uh, the top guys coming out of this 2022 class. Um, just by the numbers, six foot four, 185 combo guard. He's a third overall uh, or the third ranked recruit in the state of Maryland. He's the third highest recruit in Virginia Tech basketball history behind Bill. Can you guess? Dorian Finney Smith and Nikhil Alexander Walker, both. A uh, Dorian Finney Smith is a starter in the NBA, I believe, for the Dallas Mavericks, and Nikhil Alexander Walker, a sixth man for the Pelicans. I mean, this is this is huge. Um, it was one of the um, one of the fellas when I went down to the uh, down the facilities a couple of weeks ago. They're like, dude, we got a, we got a huge recruiting weekend. Um, I believe I'm I'm almost positive that Rodney Rice uh, was in town for the North Carolina game. Yeah, yeah he was. Um, yeah, couldn't have picked a better time to be there. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is, this is massive, massive news. Um, top 10 combo guard in America, um, top player in the state of Maryland, um, and huge buy-in. I know that there are a lot of other targets out there and, you know, this is a huge splash that'll assuredly help the team. Yes. But also help in recruiting. Uh, if top players in the country are saying, Hey, I'm going to go to Blacksburg and I'm going to play basketball. Um, maybe we can start a little bit of a movement. So, I mean, this is monumental for the program. The first DeMatha recruit, hopefully the first of many for Virginia Tech. Uh, Rodney Rice, you can get him at the one or the two. Um, you know, he, he's a long-range shooter. He had offers from Alabama, Illinois, Oklahoma State, but it was actually between Virginia Tech and Louisville uh, as his final two. So we have not been able to compete with Louisville on the court here we are uh, winning the recruiting battle and hopefully that, uh, you know, that's one of the dominoes to fall to finally beat Chris Mack's team, uh, whether it's in Blacksburg or in Louisville. So really exciting news and uh, great stuff out of basketball as always. And the season kicks off in five weeks, according to John Rothstein. Another thing that's uh, worth noting today is uh, Basketball Media Day um, for Virginia Tech basketball. It uh, appears that uh, Coach Young and Kevin Aluma, Storm Murphy, and Justin Mutz uh, will all be speaking to the media. So keep your eye on Mike McDaniel, David Cunningham. I'm sure they'll have uh, plenty of quotes from there as well. I'm looking forward to the quotes. One of the quotes that we've already heard uh, in preseason, because practice did start last week, Mike Young says, He's never felt as confident. I think it was like, I've never felt confident about all five of my starters being able to shoot three when they're all on the court at once. Um, So exciting stuff. Um, All right. Now, before we get into the interviews, we're just going to chat about the coastal and the Atlantic and college football. Um, This was a wild week in college football again. You know, it would be a fun way to do this. Yeah. Let's just literally go down all of the scores in the ACC. I have my Bleacher Report app open. And let's just say a couple words about each game. And we'll we'll kind of go, go along it that way. Does that work for you? Sure. Here we go. Boston College traveled to Clemson, who is in the top, who was in the top 25. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, uh, aside from the fact that they have a brand, um, which is fine. There's a lot of talent on that team, um, but Clemson obviously ailing right now. Boston College dropped a snap in the red zone, um, basically going in to try to win the game uh, and was not able to get it done. Um, 
So yeah, Boston College falls 13 to 19 um, at Clemson. I mean, the only thing that I really can go ahead, buddy. If you had Boston College plus 16 or plus 15, way to go. Way to go. Way to go. You probably weren't really concerned at all over the course of the entire game. I want to say this. Um, I have to tip my cap to Jeff Halfley for the job that he's done without Phil Jerkovic. Um, And also their quarterback, Grossell. This is a backup quarterback who probably assumed he wasn't going to play at all. at all, if not, you know, sparingly. And he went in the ball game and he threw 40 passes yesterday at Clemson. It was sold out. It was a night game um, and played, played pretty well. Um, so, you know, the way that they've been able to battle back um, and, and continue to compete has been impressive. Um, from a Clemson standpoint, their offense is just fundamentally broken right now. I mean, it's just not the Clemson that we've been used to uh, for years and years and years, but uh, Clemson found a way to win the ball game. Moving right along, NC State, ranked number 23 in the country, was playing Louisiana Tech at home, um, and they won a very ugly football game, 34-27. to 27. Um, You know, NC State, I think they're legit. I think they have a chance to win the Atlantic as much as Wake or Clemson does. Um, this was one of those games that were a trap game coming off of a huge win off, uh, off of Clemson. Um, and they found a way to get it done. 34, 27, any thoughts on NC state? Louisiana tech is actually a good football team. Um, they played Mississippi state pretty tight a few weeks ago. Um, but I guess just like takeaways in general is we know how competitive or lack of, I guess, lack of lack thereof of competition in the coastal there will be this year how it literally is anyone's division. The same can be said for the Atlantic division. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Boston college, Clemson, Louisville, NC state, um, wake forest, like aside from, uh, aside from Florida state who, you know, is really just completely out of it um, in Syracuse, (laughs) the Atlantic is just as up for grabs as the, uh, the coastal. So pretty interesting to see how, uh, how the next month it's will fun get though right like i feel like this is the way that it should be like this is th- this is so much more fun where it's you know not week six and you're saying okay who's clemson gonna play already or you know i love that all of these schools are getting a chance and it seems like every single game matters in the coastal and the end the atlantic yeah on that note like someone asked me this morning hey are you going to the duke game and the duke game is week you know week 11 or 12 it's towards the end of november um and it's our last game. It's, it's senior day. It's, it's going to be a big game in Lane Stadium. You know, some people, you might look at the, the schedule at the beginning of the year and see Duke is the last home game. And you're like, oh, it's Duke. Like, I don't know if it's worth the trip. Every single game in Lane Stadium from here on out, or every single game Virginia Tech plays in general, we are going to be in the Coastal Division race, you know, whether it's now or whether it's on November 26th or whatever when we play UVA. Um, so <laughs> it's just how the ACC goes. Uh, whether you like it or not, this is how it is. Uh, what's the next score you got, Bill? Syracuse and Florida State, the um, the Beef O'Grady BS Bowl. Um, two just really, really bad football teams. Um, Florida State squeaked out a game-winning field goal, 33-30. to 30. I mean, there's not much to talk about here. I mean, both teams are pretty bad. Um, Syracuse comes to Blacksburg in a, in a couple weeks. Uh, I think three weeks, actually. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's just it, it is really amazing how bad Florida State is with how much talent they have and you know the brand that they carry. 
Um, any thoughts on, on Florida State or Dino Babers or Syracuse? Next. <laughs> okay. Um, Louisville and Wake Forest. A dog, an absolute grudge match. Wake Forest gets away with the game and remains the only undefeated team in the ACC. 37 to 34. They find a way to win at home. Been impressed with Wake Forest. I really have. Um, they've played well. Um, you know, obviously Louisville, high-powered high offense. Uh, but the Demon Deacons found a way to get it done. Sam Hartman, another quarterback who threw the ball 40 times um, this week for 324 yards. Um, yeah, the Wake Forest. And they're well coached. They're well coached. Dave Clawson is a great program down there. Um, Sam Hartman, the pretty boy. Whether you like him or not, he's putting up numbers and he's throwing the ball around the yard. We had we were at the Selwyn Pub and they were probably like 15 to 25 Wake Forest mm-hmm. fans there. Uh, occupy, occupying a solid like eighth of the bar, and they were going nuts. I was like, "Wow, we know, uh, we know this this existed." So good to see them uh, getting all fired up, party partying like it's two thousand six. I gotta say, uh, the rest of Wake's schedule is pretty interesting. Um, so they're at Syracuse next week, bye week. Then they play at Army, which has no coast, which has no Atlantic ramifications. But Army's a good football team. Uh, and then you got versus Duke. At Carolina, home versus NC State, at Clemson, and at Boston College on November 27th. It's going to be very cold in Boston on November 27th, but they got a, ba- a real tough back half of the uh, back half of the schedule. So interested to see how they battle from there. Pittsburgh, I mean, again, <laughs> scores a whole lot of points against Georgia Tech. They played uh, at George at Georgia Tech, and we can talk about Pitt for a second. Kenny. Kenny Pickett has been absolutely incredible. He's wearing two gloves, by the way. So shout out to, to, to Kenny P. He was 23 for 36. Yeah, 26 for 36, 389 yards, average 16.9 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, I mean, yeah, he got the ball to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different receivers caught balls um for Pittsburgh on Saturday. So let's talk about Pittsburgh for a second. Um, I think Pittsburgh is the one team that has really separated themselves. Um, and the reason being is just because of the final scores to some of these games, not necessarily beating, you know, incredible opponents. Um, here's a statistic from David Hale this morning. In 2019, LSU's high-powered historic offense scored 34 touchdowns the first five games. In 2020, Alabama's offense scored 30 touchdowns through the first five games. And in 2021, Pittsburgh, yes, Pittsburgh has scored 34 touchdowns through five games. Um, I mean, that's just incredible. There's there's no way around it. Pittsburgh is scoring points at an unprecedented level. Um, really, really impressed with them. The one thing – go ahead, buddy. 19 touchdowns, one interception, 1,700 yards. Yeah. He, he, he throws four or five touchdowns every single week. It is truly unbelievable what we're seeing out of this kid. Kenny Pickett is having one of those years where it's like an NBA, like one year contract and those kind of guys that just love the pressure and he's absolutely performing. I mean, Kenny Pickett, he's been in college forever. They're probably going to name buildings after him. Um, He might be buried on campus 50 or 60 years ago, years from now, whenever he moves on. But I mean, that guy's been a pit forever, but this is the last year we think that him and Terrell Smith will be on college campuses. Um, but he's putting up an incredible year. 
The one thing to keep an eye on is Pitt does have a pretty difficult road the rest of um, the rest of the season. Uh, starts with us this upcoming week. Then they play Clemson. Then they play Miami. Then they're at Duke. Then they play North Carolina, Virginia, and Syracuse. Um, so yeah, a pretty a pretty difficult uh, path. But they're the team that really, if you just look at them from the eye test only, um, they look fantastic. North Carolina. They're the team to beat in the Coastal right now. Are, why? The, the, everybody's yeah. saying that. Everybody's saying. Down. You just you just <laughs> sold everyone on this podcast why Pitt is the team to beat in the Coastal right now. What are you talking about? They scored about? a lot of points. I think whoever wins this weekend is going to – or whoever wins in two weeks is going to be the team to beat in the Coastal. Right, I mean, but right now it's Pitt. Why? I, I don't think – because... I don't think you can definitively say that unless you just say they score a lot of points. I mean, we're 1-0. We've handled our business. We're one and one as underdogs. We're in we're in control of our own destiny, as is Pitt. So is Pitt. So we'll we'll have we'll have to see how that all pans out. Um, this Pittsburgh team Pitt is having Pitt is known for their defense, and they've have they're having a historic year on offense Mm -hmm. to supplement their good defense. Pitt is definitely the team to beat. Don't get it twisted, uh, sons of Saturday listeners. We got a okay. big game coming up on the 16th. Obviously, attention is on Notre Dame right now, but um, this is one of the biggest Virginia Tech pit games coming up next week uh, mm-hmm. that we've really ever had. Um, in what my a opinion. fun rivalry that's been, is it not? I think <laughs> I think the pit, the Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh Virginia Tech thing has been a ton of fun. Um, and even though we're rivals, I can't bring myself to hate. Pittsburgh because they're they're not they're not annoying in the fact that like they're soft or pretenders they're actually like Pitt is grit we talked about this last year they're a great school have an annoying coach um but uh but yeah that's that's gonna be an absolute barn burner at Lane Stadium I'm um, totally I'm totally zagging you on the you can't you don't hate Pitt I don't hate them like I hate Carolina or I hate Virginia or I hate Miami. Oh man, Pitt is I'm, like the worst, man. You hate them more than you. All right, who who? What teams? I'm do not. You I'm not. I'm not ranking my hatred of them <laughs> versus others, but I'm never going to say that I don't hate them like you just did. Come on. Do you hate Pitt or do you ha- hate Pat Narduzzi? I hate both of them. Okay. I like their. I like their uniforms. I. I, I like. Yeah. I like Aaron Donald. I like Larry Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Marino. Dan Marino. You know solid quarterback but uh, as far as Pitt, the football program and Pitt, the fan base get out of town one of okay. actually, one of the more miserable experiences i had with opposing fans was at Pitt in 2016 um so i am i'm i'm all fired up to beat Pitt here uh in a few weeks moving right along we got two left duke lost to north carolina 38 to 7 um north carolina's defense actually showed up and their offense actually scored a lot of points also, just want to point out, um, this guy, Josh Downs, is really good at football, and he's going to be at North Carolina making a lot of plays for quite some time. 13 targets, 8 receptions, 168 yards, and wow. a touchdown. Uh, he continues to ball out. Did he return a punt or a kick, too? He returned one punt. He returned five punts for 36 yards. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is, though, like that guy's a playmaker. He's going to be a playmaker in the ACC for a long time. Um, yep. So just a guy to keep your eye on. And then I want to I want to talk about this for a second. So on Thursday night, UVA lost to Miami. The UVA defeated Miami 30 to 28. And before the game, we put a poll out. And I wanted to under, I wanted to kind of say, hey, look, 
I think it's pretty obvious that from coastal implications, we would like Miami to be disinterested in this football season as quickly as possible. And a loss for Miami would help our case. And a lot of people were like, look, under no circumstance am I rooting for the University of Virginia. So I would love to hear your take. The way that I look at it is I think when the state of Virginia is good, that's good for us. I think having a competent in-state rival is worth it. Um, I also think if, you know, as a sacrificial lamb type deal, we can get Miami, I mean, uh, Miami eliminated from coastal contention or, you know, put them at a disadvantage by having Virginia defeat them. I'm all about that. And if we could find a way to where we play UVA the last game of the season, and that's for the coastal, who doesn't want that? I, I, I don't know who wouldn't want that to happen. So I'd love to get your take on rooting or not rooting for my, uh, for UVA, regardless of the implications. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I understand where people hate Miami, where people are in the, you know, can both teams lose or can it be a tie type situation? Um, and I love seeing UVA get embarrassed in football, you know, on any given Saturday, you know, back over the last decade or two, when they would lose to like William and Mary or, you know, they just have like this hilarious loss. Um, it's a lot less funny when, when we have also had those type of losses over the last couple of years too. Um, I'm with you on, on the coastal going through Virginia, uh, you know, that 2019 game, anyone who was in Scott stadium that day knew that that was a great game. And it was a great day for college football, as far as just like two teams going toe to toe for the Commonwealth cup with the coastal division on the line. Um, it was a big day for football in the state of Virginia. So I'm with you on that one. Um, you know, and, and seeing Miami lose and get, you know, uh, another or get a loss in the loss column for the ACC was, was a big deal. Uh, ultimately eyes on the prize here. We want to win the coastal. And that was, that will help us to that goal more than UVA, um, losing. So I'm with you. Cool. So uh, to recap, here's the current situation. Um, Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech are the only two teams in the Coastal that are completely in charge of their own destiny. Um, then following up at third place is North Carolina with already two conference losses, Georgia Tech with two conference losses, Virginia with two conference losses, and Duke and Miami both with one but not a conference win. Um, so that's your Coastal update. Um, was kind of fun to sit back, you know, enjoy Saturday knowing, Hey, Hokies can't lose. So it was good. It was good. I had a, I had a good bye week and, um, and really enjoyed it. And now we, I, the golden goose matchup, the biggest out of conference matchup of the entire season, the Notre Dame fighting Irish after falling to a very good Cincinnati team. For those of you who may not follow college football as a whole, Cincinnati, in my opinion, is very much in the playoff hunt. Um, they are a phenomenal football team. They have a very good quarterback, physical, have done a great job. They went to Notre Dame and beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame played three quarterbacks. It was a it was a wild, wild football game. Um, but Notre Dame will be coming to Lane Stadium ranked, 7.30 kickoff, sold out. We are going to have plenty of content for you um, around the Notre Dame game, starting with a podcast between us, the Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech, and the Sons of Saturday Irish. We're going to be welcoming them on to dissect and jump into this football game. Um, Pat, 
very early kind of thoughts about the game. Let's keep score out. Let's keep everything else out. What are your thoughts on this football game this upcoming weekend? Should we talk about the tailgate first? We can talk about the tailgate first. This is, I mean, go ahead, take it away. This is exciting news. This is breaking news. So we are doing the first ever, I guess you could call it the first ever Sons of Saturday tailgate um, brought to you by Roots Natural Kitchen in Blacksburg. So uh, we are going to start the tailgate at 1130 a.m. on Saturday and uh, are looking to, um, well, we will have Roots Natural Kitchen. It's a Blacksburg establishment. You guys know all about it. We talk about Roots every single week, Um, but we will have enough to feed uh, 200 folks, the first 200 folks who come out to the tailgate. Now we are looking for students first. So if you are a Hokie student, that's who we are looking to serve first, to show up, show us your Hokie P, show us that you have the Roots app downloaded on your phone. And then uh, we're going to ask you to just do a, a social media post, like a story post on Instagram, tagging Roots, tagging Sons. Um, hashtag roots of Saturday, but, uh, we're looking to get the basketball guys out there. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, and we're going to be in lot one, uh, I believe spot 164. So look for us at 1130 spot 164 in lot one. We'll be giving out free roots, natural kitchen bowls to start your day off, right? Start your day off healthy. There'll be some Baja bowls over there or not the Baja, the El, El Jefe, excuse yes. me. Uh, the Hoffman bowl. Yeah, we're gonna the Brock Hoffman bowl. No, no Tabasco sauce though. Um, anything else I'm missing on the roots ad? No, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Super um, excited about that. Obviously, download the app, fun. Sons of Sat. Uh, you get 20% off of your order. Um, Sons of Sat 21. We'll Sons of Sat 21. Off. My apologies. Um, for 20% off of your order. Um, but as far yeah, as, as far as the game, what are your thoughts? It is a huge game for Virginia Tech in the national spotlight. This game time was announced last week. Yep. Right? Um, But it's been on ACC Network for probably one to two months now um, as the ACC game of the week. Big game. Love to have a, a ranked opponent come into town and play the Hokies under the lights in Lane Stadium. And especially us coming off a bye because Notre Dame has been through the gauntlet. You know, they, they had to play Wisconsin in an emotional game uh, at Soldier, Soldier Field, neutral site, two weeks ago. They lost a tight one to Cincinnati last week. Um, so they're obviously a hurt football team coming into Blacksburg where they handled business three years ago. Um, this is a different Notre Dame team, though. They have a different defensive coordinator. Their quarterback situation is completely different than, you know, bringing in Ian Book, who just knew how to win college football games. Who I think in the, I think, I think people really underappreciated Ian Book. And this is finally where you're seeing it. They have had consistency at the quarterback position for so long with a kid that battled, a kid that didn't make mistakes. Um, and I mean, we're seeing it with our football team now. It is such a luxury having the same guy back there making plays at the quarterback position. He was developed. He, you know, was a leader. Um, personally, I think number 12 needs to be retired at Notre Dame. He's the winningest quarterback in uh, program history, took him to the playoff. Um, but uh, they really don't have an awesome quarterback situation. They have a great running back situation. Kyron Williams is an absolute animal. Um, but, uh, they also, but yeah. And they also have a quite a troublesome offensive line. 
Yes. Notre Dame has allowed 22 sacks this year. And Not great. Not great. Not great. Um, I believe their bye week is after us. Uh, mm-hmm. So they will be limping, or hopefully they will be limping to the bye. Um, Notre Dame is very solid, very sound in the tight end uh, receiving game. I want to say, uh, I think it was Michael Meyer or their other tight end had was having a, a hamstring issue or some type of injury. Yeah, he's got a uh, he's got a groin injury that he reaggravated. Um, and that kid is that kid is incredible. Um, in my opinion, he's probably one of the best tight ends in mm-hmm. in college football right now. Um, but he reaggravated a, a groin injury. Um, tried to battle, came back in the game, uh, was hobbling around. Um, but he's by far their best pass catcher on their team. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can go or if it, he'll be limited. Um, but um, but yeah. On special teams, you might be familiar with this name, Chris Tyree, um, Virginia guy. He's he's also one of their uh, one of their running backs. He's uh, gotten 32 carries this year, but hasn't been too effective in the running game. But um, pretty effective in the pass catching game. And then I believe he's uh, he's a kick returner or punt returner. I think he has one against Wisconsin a few weeks ago. On the defensive side of the ball, Kyle Hamilton is an absolute stud. Should yeah. be a first rounder. Um, big dude uh, in in their uh, in their secondary. He's a safety. Stay away. Uh, Stay away from that guy. From KH number fourteen. What else um, we got? Uh, what else we got, Bill? I'm just. I, I gotta say, I, I'm a little. I, I listened to the broadcast this weekend. I am gonna be a little upset missing out on Mike Tirico and Drew Brees. Um, I know you're all in on Mike Tirico. He's a he's a consummate professional and a great uh, great listener listen to her. Um, but Mike I know Tirico we're gonna... is a legend. My favorite yeah. Mike Tirico is uh, 2004 Virginia Tech at Georgia Tech when Brian Randall mounted a comeback and it might have been a, either a 60 yard 80 yard pass from Brian Randall to Eddie Royal. And he's like Eddie Royal's gonna go. <laughs> he's sure uh, He's great. He's great. And uh, NBC is great, but the game will be on ACC network. I know uh, Gramlich and Macklin and, and everybody's going to be in town, which is super exciting. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, those are, um, you know, kind of my early thoughts. Um, it's definitely a winnable game. It's a winnable game. Um, it's a huge game. It opened up uh, in Vegas as a pick em. I don't think anybody knows what to make of this game, um, but you know, we're going to see it's two teams who, you know, start off the year pretty hot. Um, we had our big win against North Carolina. They had their big win against Wisconsin. Um, both of those wins have kind of been Uh, diminished. Yeah. North uh, Carolina has not looked as good. And, uh, Wisconsin just looked like, you know, they may as well just punt it on first down and just try to score on defense. They have one of the worst offenses that I have ever seen. Um, but it's a huge game. It's a huge game for momentum. It's a huge game to enter conference play, um, and it'll be at Lane Stadium. So excited about it. Looking forward to jumping in with the Sons of Saturday Irish guys tomorrow night when we record a season preview podcast. And also, we will be announcing the winners of our Instagram challenge for free Notre Dame tickets uh, on that podcast as well. Can we thank everybody for your participation? I mean, how cool was that? I love, regardless of like the... Um, I think what's so cool about it is regardless of the like engagement and everything else, that's obviously great for us. I love seeing how excited so many people are to be in Lane Stadium, be there, be engaged. Um, the crowds at Lane have been great this season, um, regardless of 
who we've been playing when it comes to students at least. Um, and I love to see the excitement and how, uh, how fired up people are for, um, for another huge game in lane stadium. I mean, this is a, this is an opportunity to win. It was almost, I think a decade or more than a decade that we hadn't beaten a ranked team in lane stadium. Uh, we get our first one first week of the season this year with a top 10 opponent. And we have another chance to beat a top. I, I don't know where they're ranked now, but they will be coming into lane stadium. Um, Again, so another opportunity for a uh, a classic ESPN classic um, or ACC Network classic that a- ACC Network classic channel hasn't hasn't come out yet. But whenever that channel does, um, it has a chance to be on there. Should be a lot of fun. We'll be at Sharky's on Friday night. And uh, yeah, Billy, shout outs that make you smile. Brought to you by our friends at the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dest- Dentistry. Yeah. Um, shout out to Mount Joy. I saw Mount Joy at Pier 17 on Sunday night. Uh, Paris Berkner, Kyle Berkner, the Berkner family uh, reuniting. And then uh, and then Paige Graham as well. Uh, Pongo, we all headed down to Pier 17 to see Mount Joy and Trampled by Turtles. I have now seen Mount Joy on both coasts, saw them on in San Diego and now saw them in New York. Pier 17, really, really cool. Um cool venue. It's on the, it's on a rooftop. You can look at the Brooklyn bridge, the empire state building and everything else. Very, very cool. Sorry. The, the East coast, the East coast nostalgia is just, is just gripping me right now. So I do, uh, I do miss home. Um, and then shout out to the parents, shout out to, um, to, for having a place for me to rest my head and looking forward to getting to Charlotte. We got hot wings and hot takes coming up on Wednesday, which is exciting. Um, and yeah, excited to get back to Blacksburg and, uh, and see everybody. So, um, yeah, that's what I got. You, uh, you shout out Mount Joy. I'm going to raise you one to the Rolling Stones. <laughs> so, no, man, uh, the Rolling Stones played a show on, uh, on Thursday night in Charlotte at Bank of America. And this was the first time I ever saw the Rolling Stones. My buddy Griff Dog hits me up on Wednesday. Pat, we got an extra ticket for tomorrow. I was like, I'm, I'm there. And uh, we're hanging out and I look three rows in front of me and probably eight or nine seats over. And I'm like, Hey Griffin, is that, is that Bud Foster? And I was like, yeah, it is Bud Foster. <laughs> so <laughs> like, yeah, that is him. So Griff dog stands up. He's like, Bud, <laughs> Bud looks up. He's like, can we come get a picture? <laughs> so we go down and hang out with Bud for a few minutes, but it was just hilarious. Love to see coach Foster. Uh, out and about enjoying his retirement, you know, whether it's on the lake, enjoying a nice, you know, glass of scotch or a bottle of wine or whatever, or at the, uh, the Rolling Stone show with his wife and his friends, um, you know, too funny to run into him, especially literally right in front of us uh, in whatever section we were in. Um, always down to take a picture, always down to chat, uh, just a man of the people. And uh, that's why he's one of our favorites and one of the best Hokies of all time. Uh, I think that's it for me. So we're going to, we're going to let this run into uh, John and John and then Bailey angle, but we appreciate everyone for tuning in today and we'll be back tomorrow with our Notre Dame preview. So go Hokies. Go Hokies.
sons and daughters, daughters and sons, we are back. Well, I should say I am back. I being Grayson Wimbish reporting live from the West Coast, sunny California. I am joined today by two friends of the podcast. We're uh, we got a little information we want to drop drop for you guys and and ladies, guys and dolls. Uh, I'm joined by John Laser, voice of the Hokies, uh, who has been on the podcast before, as well as Dr. John Cranham, who has also been on the podcast before. And we are here today, y'all. We just want to talk to you all about an opportunity, a very, very special opportunity uh, to get involved in the community. Um, For those of you who remember when Dr. Cranham came on the podcast a little while ago, uh, Dr. Cranham wrote a book about his son, uh, Cornell. That book is called The Cornell Effect. Uh, you can go back and listen to that episode where we talk in depth about Cornell's story. And on October 9th, the day of the Virginia Tech Notre Dame game, Dr. Cranham and John Laser will be doing a book signing at where we where are we going to be doing it, Laser? What's the what's the location? Yeah, we're going to do it right outside of Castle Coliseum, right on Washington. It's where we have our pregame radio set up with Burnup and Luther and West. So you really can't miss it because we'll have a huge Virginia Tech Radio Network tent, uh, and we'll be under that. And it will not be me signing the books because I had nothing to do with the book. It'll be Dr. Tranum and Cornell. I will be there. Uh, we'll also have some clean mountain air buttons and things like that. But certainly people get up on social media. We can provide more details. But honestly, it'll be a very easy location to find. Awesome. And Dr. Kern, do you want to do you want to talk to us uh, about the book signing? What's kind of what's going into it? What is it for? Um, You know, give the people some insight, if you will. Yeah. So I think there's there's been a a bunch of Hokies that have gotten the book and read it. Um, You know, our our son's story is one of uh, sort of this incredible up from the ashes, somebody who was born just a little over a pound, fought a lot his first uh, five or six years just to stay alive and sort of did all that with a big smile on his face and just kind of persevered. We were told he'd never walk or talk. And and he's just done so much, not only in his own life, but inspiring us. And so when COVID hit, uh, this is something that I've been wanting to tell for a long time. And I got it down on paper. And, and so the response that I've gotten from people um, inside of my profession and outside of pr- profession has just been pretty remarkable. And when Lays started to do his fundraising for mental health awareness, I hadn't really ever thought about this from the standpoint of mental health awareness. But what I started to realize is the book is all about mental health awareness because um, you know, so much of what Cornell did for us was reframed how we looked at our own lives and focused on gratitude and, and not problems. And so, you know, just what's kind of cool is when Lays read, he got the hold of the book, uh, read it, it had a pretty big, profound impact on him. And he reached out to me, which then led to um, Cornell joining Lays' team. And he can talk about that a little bit. But I just thought it was a perfect opportunity. I was getting getting ready to write a pretty big check to John um, for this beyond, beyond T-shirts, although I did buy a T-shirt. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> but then I started to think about it. It would be cool to just write a check and buy 200 books and then let's 
see if we can sell 200 books and then we'll magnify what the check would be by uh, six or seven times. And so I think it's a, it's a, it's a pretty interesting synergy between what John's doing and what is a very, very important cause, uh, but also couple that not only with raising money, but in uh, spreading Cornell's story, which is remarkable. Yeah, and I, I can attest I've I've read the Cornell Effect, and it's it's just a fantastic book, uh, and it's an incredible story, and it's even more I think amazing once you actually meet Cornell. Uh, I, had, I had the chance to to speak with him at the UNC game, and and what a guy! Just uh, you know, there at the end of the book, I mean, yeah, it it had me tearing up because I, I think about how special my bond with my father is, and. And so, um, y'all, if you, if you haven't read it, this is a great opportunity uh, to to not only support a great cause, mental health, but also to just to get inspired and read a, a fantastic story. So like Dr. Cranham said, 200 copies uh, from 3 to 5 p.m. Saturday, October 9th, outside of Castle Coliseum. I just have a few quick questions for you guys. Uh, Lays, you've gotten involved with uh with with Cornell and and I want I want to ask how how did that come about when did Cornell's story first come to your attention uh and and why did you want to to get involved with the with the Cranham family yeah I think as Dr. Cranham I just call him JC but I guess we're being formal today doc uh um no there's a great synergy including this podcast uh and getting to know you and Pat and Billy and a lot of other people that are associated with you guys and I think having conversations with you guys allowed uh, Billy in particular, who I've known the longest to understand that this would probably be something that resonated with me. So Billy was actually the one that sent me the book and it just kind of innocuously showed up in my mailbox one day. And I can't remember exactly the date, but I know it was during basketball season. And those are busy days for us, obviously, particularly during the pandemic. Um, And it just kind of sat there on my counter for a month and a half, two months. And Mike Burnup and I weren't allowed to travel with the team like we normally do because we weren't in the tier one testing protocol. So we were going to drive to Indianapolis for the NCAA tournament for Virginia Tech basketball. And that's not that's a longer drive than we usually make. But just from a logistics standpoint, we didn't want to fly. So you kind of see there's so many of these outliers and random things that led to my wife yelling at me. Uh, JC's gotten an over time. You better bring something to read. Um, and the book was right there on the counter and I was running late and I grabbed it and I put it in there and then I started reading it after me and Mike uh, shot the bowl for the first hour, like we normally do. Um, and then I just couldn't put it down. I actually finished it before we got there. It's about a seven plus hour drive. And I read it in about six hours, cover to cover. And I think Billy, like I said, had an inkling that it would resonate with me because he knew some of the things that I've gone through in the, in my life in terms of mental health and also the fact that my brother works specifically with people, not that there's anyone that's quite as uh, unique and we're all individuals, but uh, with some of the same conditions and issues that Cornell has. And, and it just really resonated with some of the people that he had shared with me that he had worked with. And then as I'm going through it and, you know, I don't think anybody that gets through this book gets through it without tears of one variety or another. Uh, and Mike kept looking over at me and going, what is wrong with you over there? I'm like, shut up, just look at the road and drive. Um, 
you know, cause at the beginning it's so much desperation, right. And, and not necessarily sadness is not the word because I think we knew that there wasn't going to be a book without getting to a happy place, but you're just feeling, um, that level of determination from him. And then when the book turns, of course, he starts accomplishing all these miracles. And I don't think that's an overstatement to use that term when it comes to Cornell, particularly with his prognosis, uh, you just get filled up with joy. And it was also, you know, about a year exactly into the world shutting down and the things that we'd gone through uh, individually and as a society and just making it through that pandemic year. And I got about a couple chapters from being done. And the one that struck me in particular was uh, when he and his sisters and the family went to Virginia Tech, experienced Lane Stadium for the first time and Cornell being upbeat about the fact, even though he knew he wasn't going to be a student at Virginia Tech like his sisters were um, and wanted them to enjoy that experience. And clearly, Justin Fuente got that message, too, because I had the thought, hey, let's bring him up to a game and bring him to the booth and take him to the sideline and let him experience all that is <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> game day at uh, Lane Stadium. And then I get to the point where Justin Puente had already done that and brought him up and met the team. And I was like, you know what, let's take this a step farther. I I think that my crew, who's we call a dysfunctional family, but it's all made up of really caring and compassionate people. uh, I thought they would really benefit, honestly, uh, more than the benefit that it's led for Cornell to be with us. And there's also a tangible reason for him to be down there when I was reading about him being the football manager for his team and how emotionally invested he was. Um, and how comfortable he was. And we've seen that now through three games where the players all know who he is. They come to him, they tell him stuff without even having to ask, but that's not because he's bashful about asking. Um, so anyway, you know, I, I like to consider myself someone who's spontaneous when I realize something uh, can be profoundly impactful in your life. And we were still in the car. We still weren't to Indianapolis. And I got uh, JC's number from Billy. Uh, guns and sent him a novel of a text and you know i'm sure it stunned him it came out of nowhere um, it went from zero to all the way inviting cornell to join our team just right there um you know i think he probably at first didn't even think it was real but now here we are a few months later we've gotten to know their family their family's gotten to know ours our crew obviously has gotten to know cornell my brother was in town last week he made that trip specifically so he could meet cornell drove all the way from minneapolis uh, and it was awesome watching those two eat cheese balls in the back of the booth before they went down to the sideline. Uh, and it's just such a wonderful thing. And and JC's right. There's such correlation, I think, in the joy that Cornell takes in life. I think for me, you know, you, at the beginning of the book, you're feeling bad for Cornell, right? And just hoping that he has any sort of sustainable life and a positive life. And by the end, you're hoping and wishing that in your own life, you can be more like him in terms of the joy that he takes in life and even in negative situations and outcomes. Um, so that hit me there and it's continued to, as I've gotten to know him, it's awesome. You know, uh, you know, we went down to their lake house and met him and I left so hopeful because I realized that the potential was even greater for that relationship. So I know I'm rambling on here, but then when it came to the mental, uh, or the clean mountain air, initiative that we're doing and the response we've gotten to that is no surprise that JC offered to help and has been willing to do that and tie all these things in or that you guys have because you've never missed a beat when it's come to that. Um, and it's just a continuation of all these great people and great Hokies, uh, the Cranham certainly and members of those and Mike and Wes and everybody in our crew. Uh, and we just basically want to have a great time and, and raise some money, but more, most importantly, continue that conversation through Cornell's story. And this book certainly does that. And we're going to combine it with some other things that day to really make it a a good time out there. People get to meet Cornell, meet John, 
uh, I'll be there. Like I always am. I don't think they'll be too excited to meet me at this point, but, uh, and it'll be awesome. We're going to have some of the clean mountain air buttons and my wife will be up there and it's just going to be a, a big old party. That's awesome. I, I, I absolutely love that. So my, my question for, for, I'll say JC, cause I know you, there like you go, JC, uh, the clean mountain air initiative. Why was that important to, to the Cranham family? And, and, and why did that resonate with you specifically? Well, I just, you know, I, I see with what I do, I mean, I'm a dentist and, you know, we have sort of a unique perspective of looking at the slice of the world, taking care of families for now, you know, 31 years and, you know, beyond just dental health, which obviously I'm focused on, I'm a very holistically oriented healthcare professional. And I've seen families decimated by this, you know, and, 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 and also, varying levels of it. I think one of the things that's really cool right now is that I, I do think there was a time where we thought about mental health was like, you're either healthy or you were like schizophrenic or you're healthy or you're suicidal. I, I don't think we have a real understanding that mental health is really about just getting to a place where you can fire on all cylinders and become the best human being that you can be. And you can't do that if you have demons that you that are haunting you a little bit. And so, so I, you know, at, for, at first glance, you know, I saw, I saw it was John was doing and I started thinking about it more and more. And, and, and as I said, I, I do think it's such a good fit because again, where Cornell struggles with certain things, you know, like math and things that is abstract, his emotional intelligence is ridiculous. Like he's a savant with, emotional intelligence and his ability to handle things and just focus on the good and, and accept the obstacles in his life as gifts and learn from, and it's, 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 you know, I could go on and on. I mean, but the, the number of stories he did it today when he was being interviewed by Brooke from the news team, you know, things that come out of his mouth sometimes just, just amaze me. And so it seemed like a really, really good uh, fit. And, and again, I, you know, I get criticized on Twitter all the time because I tend to be maybe ridiculously positive all the time. Um, and I am, but I do think it's a lot of because of I'm around this kid. And, you know, if he can go through life and look at the glass half full most of the time, I, I think that's a message that is really good for any community. And I've come to just love tech so much that I just think it's a really cool thing to share with with uh with john and uh and support him and what he's doing and make a difference and and again that that's again the whole part of this book i wrote it um with the ability to get the story out there and then also utilize it in things like this to be able to to do some philanthropic things with it and so this is this is a no-brainer for us so I, I, I want to hear my, my, my last question I have from both of y'all's perspective, this role with the Virginia Tech football team, how is Cornell liking it? JC, before we uh, press record, you had made mention that with Cornell on the sidelines, Virginia Tech football is 3-0, and and we got a big game against the Notre Dame just, Fighting just Irish. Saying. Just, just saying. saying I mean. Same day as the book <laughs> signing, too. So, I mean, it, it might be remarkable how these two things coincide, I hope. Uh, you know, got to be optimistic. Um, but what is what has Cornell enjoyed so far? Uh, what challenges have come with the role? Um, I, I'd I'd love to hear about it. Dad, we'll start with you. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the things you have to know about him, I mean, he's the first one up in the morning. You know, he works with me at the office. He's making his lunch. and I mean, he gets up the earliest. He's the last one to bed. And, you know, Thursday night he plays kickball and bubble. And he just goes. Like, he gets up in the morning and puts a smile on his face and he doesn't stop. And so, you know, when if you ask him to do something, I don't think in his whole life I've ever asked him to be involved with something and he said no. So for him to have – it's hard for me to really – completely describe it, but for him to watch his sisters be at Virginia Tech for seven years and for him to be happy for them, but also know that he's missing out on that. For him to be able to do something at Virginia Tech that both of my girls would freaking kill to be able to do, (laughs) which is be close to the team and be on the sidelines and have that experience. It's just beyond cool for him. I mean, he feels unbelievably special um, in being able to be close to these players. He loved the same experience in high school, but this is a whole nother level. And again, John, if you ever want to laugh, get him to do his tear link imitation. It's pretty <laughs> hilarious. UNC UNC games. Um, but anyway, it's, it's been, you know, it's just unbelievable. And, and John's right. I mean, when I got the text from him, like, you know, I knew that the team is playing the next day in, you know, in March Madness. And I knew he was probably on. And so I get this, like, really the longest text I've ever gotten in my life. And I'm reading it and I try to think who's punking me. Like, it's is not John Laser, you know. And so we start responding. And so, honestly, from my perspective, it's the best outcome of the book. Like this is the the by far the best outcome of the book for him now to have this experience. And uh, he just hasn't stopped talking about it. And last weekend, again, you know, I was had to work in Florida. Kim and my other daughter went with me. My other daughter was shooting a wedding. So he went from Chesapeake, drove himself all the way to Blacksburg and did that game and then got back to our lake house and got home. And it's just you know, for Kim and I, we never could have imagined if we go back 28 years when we saw this kid fighting for his life and we're told he'd never walk or talk or do any of these things. And here he is freaking driving to Blacksburg himself and having this incredible adventure. Um, it's just, it's just remarkable. Lays anything to add? Yeah, I think for me, John just said, you know, the best possible outcome. And when I read the book and sent that text, this has been the best possible outcome for us, too, because, like I said, this was not a completely selfless uh, reach or ask for me. And it was very important to me and I think to John as well, that this is not some sort of charitable uh position that we created just to give Cornell that opportunity. Certainly we wanted to bring him in and maybe give him an opportunity that he wouldn't have been able to have. But at the same time, we had a need for someone down on the sideline and Cornell has filled that wonderfully. So it's not like it's our radio crew or our sports network crew and Cornell. It's our sports network crew, which includes Cornell. And that's been so cool to see. And Wes McElroy deserves a lot of credit because he's an extremely nurturing guy. I always call him the nicest guy in the world. 
Uh, but at the same time, he doesn't let that get in the way of the job that he's doing, uh, whether that be in his daily radio show or whatever the case may be. Um, and to see them start working together kind of hand in hand and Cornell picking up on where Wes is going to be and where he's going to go and what information he's going to want uh, is just awesome. And to see week to week, again, we've done three games and obviously with any new job, uh, so I'm the same way. You show up and you don't really know where you're supposed to be and you're a little bit nervous. Cornell handled that great. We actually had a battery emergency in the first quarter. It's the first one I can remember in six years. It was kind of preordained that it was going to happen. <clears throat> and Wes's microphone kept going out because he had a bad batch of batteries. Um, and Cornell, he sent Cornell racing up to the booth to find new ones um, and immediately paid dividends because otherwise we wouldn't have had our sideline reporter uh, for at least another 20 minutes or so. Um, and it's just continued from there. Uh, you know, I was particularly proud of last weekend. Our crew, like I say, is a dysfunctional family. It is a family. Uh, it is a needy family when it comes to parking passes and hotel addresses and details and all those things. And I knew Cornell was coming in by himself for the first time last week. And I was anticipating getting at least a text or two like, hey, where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to park? Stuff like that. That would not have been out of the ordinary for our crew. I wound up getting 50 from them and none from Cornell. And he just showed up at the time and he was ready to roll. Um, and then he met my brother. Uh, like I said, my brother was way more excited about meeting him than he was about meeting my brother. Uh, but it was awesome. And then the picture I got between the two of them and, uh, you know, another story is week two. And I, and I said, you know, he texted me and said, what time should I be there? And I responded, whatever time that was. Um, and he showed up right on the dot but he showed up about ready to pass out and collapse. And I was like, corn, are you okay? What's going on? You know, and I get him some water and just, I'm like, sit down for a second. What's going on? Uh, and he said, not going to be late. And I was like, not going to be late for what? You know, like, it's like kind of an arbitrary time, you know, you know, when the game is, uh, and he, anyway, the elevator was running too slow uh, and he thought he was going to be a minute or two late if he waited for it. So he hiked up all seven and these are not normal flights of stairs to the absolute top of lane. I mean, imagine running the stairs. That's essentially what you're doing because we are on the operations level, which is all the way up. Uh, and so I sat down and I said, buddy. I'm like, I really appreciate that work ethic. I really do. I wish that our entire crew embodied that. Uh, but in the future, like, please don't nearly kill yourself to get here. If you're a minute or two late, you know, that's okay. We won't give you as many cheese balls and, you know, we'll take away some of those benefits from the booth. Um, so it's just been amazing, man. And, and, you know, I see Jonathan McLaughlin, who's a massive human being and Luther Matty, who's a massive human being, uh, various things in our crew. And I've got this awesome picture from last week that my brother actually took because he went down to the field with them when they went down and it's those two giants but Cornell's the one leading them uh through the tunnel on the lane stadium I don't think I shared that one with you John yet uh oh, it's awesome and then also I'd add just to see the way that the staff the football staff and the players have reacted uh we brought Cornell out to practice just so we could get more acclimated to the guys and it wasn't his first time out there so he already had some of his favorites but to see Dax Hollifield just break off from uh, his position group come over he wanted to say hello Dalton Keene actually hit us up and said he was trying to talk in North Carolina because he was back in town for that game uh, and Corn was too focused on his job to talk to one of his all-time favorite guys and Trey Turner uh, you that, know they all, I, they all I, love I, him. that just blew my mind because you don't yeah. you have no idea how he worships Dalton Keene and Dalton messages me on on uh, on Twitter and he's like dude I tried to talk to Cornell but he was too locked in he wouldn't <laughs> he was like writing down stuff for Wes and so and again that's that's what I think is sort of cool about it is it isn't 
um, he takes it very seriously. Like he, he takes what he's doing very, very seriously. And it's the same thing that I see, but I didn't know he ran up all those steps, but that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, to add to what John's saying, you know, the training staff, cause that's who they interact with the most, you know, sideline reporters, biggest job is giving us injury updates and Mike Goforth, who's been here for 22 years. I believe that's correct. Uh, roughly in that neighborhood came up to me the other day at walkthrough on Friday, uh, before the Richmond game. And he's just like, this is, the best man he's like i think these guys you know how can they look over at him and give less than uh 100 um so he's having that that impact and you'll see that uh when you drop this and next week uh, at some of the guys that have already voiced their support for this book signing and doing that and they love it and you know they love turning cornell into a star so uh yeah it's just one of those things where you can you know roll it around and investigate it all you want <laughs> Uh, and there's just never going to be anything, you know, but just pure positivity coming out of it, which is which is what Cornell really honestly exemplifies. There's a, there's a lot of takeaways here. There's a lot of lessons to be learned and a lot of places that I, I think everyone could could apply the the positivity and the determination and the work ethic. I did not know about the stair story. If you've been in Lane Stadium and you've gone up and down those stairs, you know that is that's a pain. So shout out to Cornell for hustling up those stairs to be on time. But uh, just a reminder, y'all, this book signing is Saturday, October 9th, 3 to 5 p.m., right outside of Castle Coliseum. Lays will be there. 100% of the proceeds going to John's charity. So yep. this is all going to a good cause. Yep. Lays will be there. Dr. Cranham will be signing the books. Uh, and yeah, y'all, if, if anyone has anything to add, I wish I could be there. I will, I will not be there. I imagine Pat and Billy Ray will be there with bells on. I most certainly hope so. Um, but that's all I got, gentlemen. Do you guys have anything that the floor is yours? You know, typically we do sharky shout outs on here. So if, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys want to run that and shout anyone out, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I say, um, you know, we're going to have the books. And I was talking to Pat about this, probably unbeknownst to you, Grayson, a couple of days ago, we're just going to turn it into this big potpourri of doing good. I know the Suns have an event going on uh, with Roots and some other folks, and we're just going to combine them all <clears throat> and just have a good old time. Like I said, we'll have those buttons. I, I know they're not quite as uh, elaborate as the T-shirts, but it'll be fun for people to get those for a couple of bucks. So buy a, buy a book, get a button with the book. Uh, and then we'll have, I'm actually going to have another announcement that day about where we're continuing uh, from from this point going forward with actually turning this into uh, a foundation uh, with some other partners of Virginia Tech. So, you know, Cornell, a huge part of this. You guys, a huge part of this, Grayson. I appreciate you guys doing this so much. Pat and Billy aren't on here, but they were big and facilitating this too. So uh, shout out to them. Um, and it's just, I think, representative of what Virginia Tech is, right? In terms of I've reached out to 100 people about this initiative, maybe more. And have yet to get a no in terms of helping, including our TV partners, Brooke Leonard and David de Guzman, uh, did it, who's going to do another story on it next week, too. So, uh, like I say, it's just awesome stuff. It makes you feel good. And, and hopefully it makes people feel good when they get their hands on the book and read it. I don't know anybody who's read it. That that hasn't been the outcome. Absolutely. JC, anything to add? Yeah, just 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 shout out to Lays uh, for uh Shining a light on this, it's really, really important. Shout out to the Suns too. You guys have um, you guys have a really important place with the Virginia Tech community and have really carved a little niche in a very rapid uh, amount of time. Um, but anyway, I I'm just really excited for this week. Uh, obviously, love 
what's happening uh, to Cornell. He deserves every bit of it. But let's sell some books for mental health. Let's do that and raise as much money as we possibly can for a great cause. Stamp that wholeheartedly. Uh, with that being said, y'all, go Hokies. Y'all pull up outside of Castle and, uh, and get you a copy of The Cornell Effect. What's going on, sons and daughters? I am joined by a very special guest today. Today we have Bailey Angle on the podcast. And if y'all don't know Bailey, you're about to get to know him. So a little bit of a, a little bit of a background, Bailey, and let me know if I butcher any of this, man. Uh, right. Bailey Angle is a broadcaster from New Kent, Virginia, who currently serves as the in-venue host for Virginia Tech Athletics. Bailey has also formerly worked as a freelance broadcaster for the ACC Network at Virginia Tech. His alma mater where he is a graduate of the class of 2017. He has spent time in the MILB with the Erie Seawolves, as well as the Bluefield Blue Jays in broadcasting and media relations. He's also freelance with the Colonial Athletic Association, Radford University, High Point University, and prior to coming home to Virginia Tech, Bailey served as the director of broadcasting at Bluefield College. Bailey, welcome to the Sun of Saturday, brother. Hey, thanks, man. I, I love listening to the show. If there's one thing, I, you didn't butcher anything. Um, it's hilarious. I did that. I put that in my website because I filled in on High Point one time and maybe Radford like one other time. Um, but I still do ACC Network stuff, too. So if you guys are uh, free Friday, I'm calling uh, uh, volleyball against Clemson. But thanks for having me on, man. I'm really excited and I've, I've enjoyed listening to you guys since uh, since you guys have really started. So congrats on all of your success as well. Thanks, man. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, this is a long time coming, you know, because when you, I don't know if you still do it. And and this is news to me, because I, I know you had Billy Ray on your, can we split that podcast, which yeah, I love that. And if you're still doing that, I would love to, I would love to be a part of that. Cause I think that idea is so original. Uh well, I appreciate you. Yeah. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, I still do. Uh, you want to split that. And for those of you who don't know, it's a it's a podcast where I have an interesting person on. Uh, we try a kind of newer, almost gimmicky fast food thing. Um, and I, I think with Billy Ray, we ate like a pretzel burger, which was it was pretty it was pretty OK. I remember thinking like this was all right. Um, there's I, I've also learned from that podcast that I'm not as picky as I'd like to be. I pretty much like a, a ton of stuff. Um, but yeah, you get to know people. Um, I haven't done it. it. I don't have like a Sons of Saturday operation where I have a couple of people helping me. Um, so it's it, I have to do all the booking and it's a little bit harder to try to get people to, hey, sit down and actually eat this thing that you're probably not going to like with me, but I I'll usually pay for it. And some people are like, no, I, I got it myself, but you do get to learn some stuff from people, but I'd love to do some more. It's just been with this new role and, and switching jobs and switching homes. It's been a little bit tougher to actually sit down and be like, Hey, you want to eat like a, a nasty taco with me and talk about your life? It's a little bit harder to do that. Sure. Sure. And I think that makes sense, but you know, we're fans of the, we're fans of the show. Uh, well, thank and, you. And, and, and shout out to Billy Ray who, who was able to come on. But if, if you're in a place eventually down the line where you pick it back up, let me know. I'd love to, love good, to be a part of that. So we'll get into some, some questions I got for you. Let's, let's take it back to the beginning, man. When did you first realize that you wanted to get into broadcasting? 
Um, probably when I realized I wouldn't be able to play professional football. Um, I, my dad took me to a game, a Steeler game back in, and I'm a big Steeler fan, um, back in 2003 and the Steelers were playing the Titans and the Titans had like Steve McNair and Eddie George. So I'm really dating myself there. Um, they were really good and they walloped the Steelers that day. So we left home Well, we left the game for home early. And I remember listening to like the, the broadcast on the way home. And there's this guy, the color commentator for the Steelers was a guy named Myron Cope. Uh, and he had like this crazy Pittsburgh accent. I'm not going to butcher it. Cause I know a lot of people listen to your podcast. So I don't want anybody making fun of me for my Pittsburgh accent impression. Um, <laughs> but I was like, man, this guy gets to talk about the, the Steelers like this. Like that sounds so cool. Um, so that's a long winded answer. Uh, but I guess it would be coming up on 18 years ago. I knew I'd be into broadcasting and, and like what, I, with what I'm doing now, I wouldn't even really necessarily call it so much broadcasting, which has been kind of a fun, like little shift with me, but, uh, yeah, it, it's been a long time coming. Right on, man. I, uh, you know, I think back to your class, class 2017, Virginia tech, I personally credit you and your classmates as many of the pioneers of the Virginia tech communication department. Uh, and you guys really helped mold it into what it is today. When you see what it's become, like with the sports media and analytics department, the Bill Roth and Andy Bitter and you know, Jared Woolley and Dr. Robinson, that they've all kind of helped pioneer. What are your thoughts? Like, how does that feel? Uh, it feels great. Honestly, I think that it, if it feels weird calling yourself a pioneer, I, I don't know if I would say that so much. I appreciate that. But I I look back and with a lot of gratitude of what Andrew Allegretta, um, who's now the voice of Vanderbilt, um, mm -hmm. was able to hook me up with at such a young age. Um, I was I started doing play by play when I was 19 and I got to meet the people that eventually gave me this in venue host job when I was 19 as well. Um, so like looking back, it, it's been cool to see how official it's gotten and just seeing like guys like, you know, uh, obviously Evan has done an, an incredible job and did an incredible job for when I was here, like we recruited him, like we rolled oh, yeah. out the red carpet for Evan, which was hilarious because I thought that he was going to be some kid that didn't uh, want to talk like a regular 17 year old. And then when I walk in the room, he's like, Hey Bailey, how you doing? Um, <laughs> That's which pretty good you're like, Cause I was like, okay, I'm a college senior, um, a high school senior would be, you know, reserved. Um, but looking back to seeing like when I left and the people before me, Danny Noakes, Morgan Conklin did a great job. Um, I'd like to think that I was super um, passionate and also super involved. I don't think I ever said no to anything. Um, and to see Evan and uh, a guy, a kid like Jake Lyman, a kid like Kevin DiDomenico and, and a few others um, also just be very, um, you know, just happy to get opportunities and get so much better has been really awesome to see how much it's developed. And like, it, it's awesome that they can get like football tape now too. You know, so and, and get on the ACC network. And I just called a game with a student, Jake Lyman, last week, and it went really well. So it's fun to see a school that's not known as a, at least in the historical terms, as a liberal arts place, um, do such a great job with developing some some talented people. So it, it, it is awesome. Sure. So with that in mind, how important 
are, are broadcasting internships and freelance work for students trying to hone their craft. Guys like Jake Lyman and guys like Evan Hughes who came to the program. How did some of those experiences help make you better? Um, well, I'll, you know, there's no discredit to the stuff in our classroom. I'm sure you know this, Grayson, because, you know, we were in the same classes together. But, um, you know, the classes were good. But as far as like being on air and with like experiences of when, you know, the S word hits the fan. I don't know. Are we allowed to cuss on here? You can okay. say it. OK. Yeah, when the, the shit hits the know, fan. Yeah. When the shit hits the fan, um, just to just to be like ready for when problems arise. I think that was like how good internships were because obviously you're going to get better just being on air, but being able to handle yourselves when, you know, the audio goes out or something overheats, which, you know, we had, it wasn't as a big of operation when we were doing like Hokies extra broadcast when I was in school. Um, so it's, it's really important. And like, you know, I, I wouldn't say so much as when the shit hits the fan now, but when I do my in-venue hosting, stuff doesn't always go to plan, you know? So I think that having those internships, whether I was at Tech or was when I was with the Bluefield Blue Jays, or even when I had my full-time job at Bluefield, now university, they upgraded, um, that just like realizing there's going to be problems in how you handle yourself in them, as well as being good at a broadcaster, but being good at like managing the stuff that's getting thrown to you at the last second and making it look like to everybody else it was planned and that's fine. So um, yeah, they, they definitely helped me out a, a lot in that specific aspect. Sure. So you mentioned Andrew Allegretta, who I forgot to mention. I uh, I actually, unfortunately, I didn't get to work with him as much during my time at Virginia Tech, but he, you said that he helped you get involved in some of those opportunities. So if I'm a young student, maybe a freshman or a sophomore who doesn't have those connections established as much, how, well, I guess, what would your advice be to someone who's trying to get involved? You got to email everyone like I, I to the point, like try to find a balance of like not annoying them, but also you know, send Evan an email, send Bill Roth an email, send somebody at the ACC network an email. Just be like, hey, do you have time to for like a, a chat with me? Because it's not going to hurt. The worst I can do is say no. And they're likely not going to say no. So reaching out and just getting more people to know you and more people to defend your work to other people it is really super important in this industry because it's not like you can just apply to something and they can't give cross-reference it with somebody else. A lot of what happens in this, in this industry is like, hey, we have this open with someone in mind, which sometimes that's deeply unfair, but it's also you have to make sure you're included in that sort of conversation when stuff like you know, the voice of blank ar arrives or the, you know, in venue host um, opens up. Sure. So when you graduated from Virginia Tech in 2017, did you already have your role at Bluefield lined up? How did that job come to be? So, no. So in between junior and senior year, I worked as the um, voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays through the rookie affiliate. They no longer exist in that role. Now they're the Bluefield Ridge Runners. Um, this kind of goes to show how minor league baseball has changed. So I met the AD of Bluefield College when I was at Blue, with the Bluefield Blue Jays in the summer of 2016. Then when I graduated, um, I went to Erie, which was really crazy, by the way, because I think I was like there the Saturday, like after graduation. So I left all my friends to this really, you know, this town in Pennsylvania where I knew no one. Um, but 
they, the AD from Bluefield had texted me and called me like, Hey, we have this thing that's full time, um, in the mix and you can be the voice of football, which was incredibly, incredibly attractive to me. And then also doing men's basketball, which wasn't something I got to do a ton of in school. Um, and particularly Grayson, the thing that was really unique about Bluefield, uh, was that it was full time and I got to do so much stuff there. Uh, when they created that job. So I don't think that that's something that comes around a lot in our industry because a lot of times it's like, hey, you'll be the voice of women's basketball for four months. And then after that, you know, see you go working, uh, you know, Hillsboro, North Carolina for a few months and eat some hot dogs uh, to get by. So Bluefield was great in that aspect. Like I got, uh, once it was lined up, my parents helped me out a lot. Um, full disclosure, and I was able to save up some and actually like feel like I became an adult in Bluefield, which was really awesome. I feel like I grew up a lot there. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was great after Erie went straight back to Bluefield, and that's where I was up until like a month ago. So during your time in Bluefield, what were some of your favorite experiences, some of your favorite memories? And what um, was it like living in West Virginia too? <laughs> um, so this past week, obviously with the the loss that that stunk but i i realized how much west virginia cares about its sports um particularly bluefield is only an hour away from tech but most people are mountaineer fans there um one of my best friends grew up in in bluefield west virginia he's a hokey uh logan linebear hope you listen listening to this um but he's very much a minority in bluefield west virginia where most people care about the mountaineers so that's just a little taste of what it's like growing up or living there um but it was bluefield it's naia it was very good to call football with such low pressure so if something went wrong or i did something incredibly wrong like got a name wrong or got the touchdown call wrong. It wasn't like the stakes were mega high. And that is incredibly enticing to me, you know, coming out of college, like I'm 22 and I'm like, Oh, I messed this up. No one cares. I'll get, I'll move forward. It's not that no one cared, but it wasn't like there was going to be like a firestorm on me if something went wrong. Um, but as far as like favorite moments, you get, you get to know, like it's a small tight knit college. Now it's a university. Um, it was, it, it was really awesome to just feel really valued. And when like the parents came and like actually knew who you were and said, Oh, thank you. We're from Arizona. Thank you. We're, we're from California. I think there was one girl from Germany, but like people really value, I felt valued there. Um, but you know, I, I had a great time with the football and, and basketball, honestly, all those sports, particularly baseball as well. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a really great experience. And I got so much better there. Like outside of college, Grayson, I think when I left, I was like, oh, I, I deserve a division one job. I can do voice of women's basketball somewhere and I, I could be D1. I was so wrong. That's so stupid to think looking back that I'm so embarrassed because I got so much better at Bluefield. I mean, my 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 voice sounds different. My delivery is different. My play by play is 100 times better. Um, I don't know about 100 times better, but it's gotten better. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it is incredibly valuable and, and that place is always going to be very special to me. Sure. And, 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 you know, you just said you've improved and you've gotten better and it's kind of like, I think Bill Roth always taught us. I mean, it's just reps, man. It's just doing it yeah. over and over and over again. And you get so comfortable doing it. Um, right. 
But I mean, I, 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 I think it's awesome. You were recently hired as the in-venue host at Virginia Tech. When yeah. did you get, when did you get that call? Kind of what was the process with uh, with that position? So I uh, I was I am connected to Hokie Vision. Um, my all of my I have very close friends in there. Um, I know I know Jed Castro. So, you know they he's in charge of like the in venue stuff. And I, I know Maddie McVeigh, who's a classmate of yours, I believe. Um, and she she's also in charge of you know the football show. And they came to me with this idea, like, hey, we think that you would be great for this. We put we're putting in an MC type role to uh football and um men's basketball and particularly other sports, but we think you'd be great for it. And it wasn't so much as like me being like um, the broadcast aspect, but they're like, we think you're good on your feet. You could be funny. So I hope that man, people are going to walk away from this, this podcast. And they're like, Oh, Bailey's pretty dry. I don't know why they thought that, but, um, but uh, yeah, so that was this, this summer. And I was like, well, that sounds really interesting. Um, but it's going to be tough for me to leave Bluefield for something that's not full-time. So for the office that I'm at right now, I actually interviewed for another position at Hokey club. Um, didn't get it, but they were like, Hey, we have this other, we have these contracted roles that you can fill, um, doing some copy and stuff. So it was like a cross collaboration effort to help me get here. And also I got some help from the people at ACC network with, um, I got to, I get a lot more reps than I would have if I was at Bluefield. Um, so the process was probably about a month, a month and a half. But once I got that offer, after I, I had MC fan day, we're going to see how it goes in fan day. I hope you don't mess this up. So it's a lot of pressure going into fan day, just trying to have fun with, with fans and like get people like really excited for the football season. And I thought it went really well. And I walked away from it thinking like, man, that was, that was awesome. I really hope that they call me and, and give me this. And uh, I think that Tuesday they, we met at Starbucks and we're like, all right, you, you got it. So um, yeah, it, it's been really, really fun. It was such a whirlwind, but it was, it was really, really exhilarating. Sure. So what does a typical day look like for you now? What are, what are the challenges of, what are, excuse me, what are the challenges of this new job and how is yeah. it different than, than a typical, you know, play by play day in the life for Bailey Angle? Well, it's definitely, so like day to day, now I, I do stuff with, with Hokie Club and kind of around here, it's been a little bit of a career pivot for me, but we rehearse. I think that the biggest thing, and honestly, Grayson, like the thing that kept me up was the idea of, and I don't know if you, if you saw me or at the UNC game or whatever, like, but when I'm, when I'm speaking into the microphone, there's a slight delay. So like when I speak into the microphone, then you can hear my voice about half a second later. And I was terrified of that. I would wake up in the middle of the night, like no joke, like, oh my God, what happens? Like, because if you slip up and then you hear the slip up and then every, and then everybody's looking at you, I'm scared of that. So as far as like uh, the preparation goes, it got me these, this IFB. So for the mm -hmm. folks at, at home is these little earbuds and they do a great job of muting out the sound. Um, so for that UNC week, I was like, we're going to rehearse every day that please, because I'm, you know, honestly, I was pretty scared uh, because if you make a mistake, everybody's going to see it like 60,000 people are going to see it. And a lot of these people, I care about their opinions. Um, and like, even like knowing like you guys were there, I was like, oh, the Suns and Saturday are there. I wonder what, hopefully they don't think I'm an idiot with this. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we we rehearsed that entire week, um, the games, and then that that Friday, and I think we're going to do it again this Friday, even before Richmond. Um, we have a couple of the Hokey Vision students come in, and then I play the games with them, and they don't know what they are. Uh, so they are like legit organic, like fresh face to some of the games we play up on the video board. Um, and then on game day, I'll probably get there for sound check. I don't know the thing for a noon game, but I'm assuming it's going to be early, probably like 8 a.m. or something. Um, and then, yeah, then we start rolling. Uh, we play games with the students in the stadium about two hours out, like as soon as they walk in. Like the UNC game, I was playing a categories game with this kid. Oh, I swore I wasn't going to forget his name because he was important to me. But anyway, I play a game with him like two hours out, first kid inside a north end zone. And then I think we have like two or three more pregame. And then you see, you know, me bop around from the first to fourth quarter throughout the game. So it, it does take about a week to get all the prep in. All the hard work is done by the people at Hokey Vision actually planning the show out and actually planning the games out. It's just me, the one that has to actually go out there and make it look kind of fun and organic that that falls on me but the preparation is pretty much on them so should virginia tech fans expect any you know tricks up the sleeve any big surprises <laughs> from your camp at any of these coming games because we saw no, that Jim, we saw that painting that jimmy mitchell made i think of tavion <laughs> robinson that was yeah that was yeah. hilarious um uh so i don't i don't know if we'll be giving away any of those but I, honestly man i i really want to uh, finish the lyric to be some sort of like deep cut Smith song so that the person has to fail. Like they don't know the lyrics to it, which by the way, living on a prayer for that poor kid named Baxter. Uh, I hope he listens to this. I gave it to him, but he didn't know the words to that. Um, but to, I know, right. Thumbs down. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have any tricks. I know that those trivia questions are really hard though. The past two truest trivia questions we do um, are pretty challenging. So whoever gets those actually, really earns that prize packs, but no, nah, man, I'm, I'm not going to pull a rabbit out of a hat or anything like that. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe so who knows, but not this week at least. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love it, man. It's been a long time. I think since Virginia tech has had any type of in venue host, the last one I can think of, geez, probably 10 years ago with a guy named, I, I hope I don't butcher this. I, Carol Collins or Colin Carroll, Colin Carroll. We'll use. Oh yeah. Long, yeah. long snapper for Virginia yes. tech. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the first interns. I, I never got to meet him, but Allegretta always talked about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to do it every now and then. He, he mainly popped out at basketball games, but I never oh, saw him okay. at, Well, he was on the football field. That's why. Gotcha. But, uh, All right, that makes sense. But I'll be at basketball, too. So men's basketball is going to be another thing we're going to do. And I, I'm really, obviously, you know, we are a month out from there. I'm really sure. excited about that, too. And I don't think the, the echo will be as intimidating at Castle, but. Yeah, I'm really pumped to do that as well. Absolutely. I think, you know, the big ass fans on the ceiling will stir the sound around a little bit. <laughs> it's so hot in there. Yo, I'm calling it, I'm calling a game Friday. And when you're in there in like September, it is so sticky. So bad. But like, but in the winter, it's it's fine. But uh yeah, I'll probably find a way to sweat through my shirt anyway. So even if it is cold or not. But uh yeah, that's another fear of mine. So bringing a couple of different dry fits this weekend. There you go. <laughs> last last question before we move into the lightning round, Bailey. What is what is Bailey Angle's end goal, man? What's your absolute dream job down the line? Um, to be honest with you, 
in this past year, that question, that answer has kind of changed for me. Um, I find that like right now, the goal is to kind of branch myself out. Like I don't want to be pigeonholed into just broadcasting. And I think that this role has been really rewarding in the fact that, yeah, I get to do in-venue hosts. I, yeah, I get to do ACC Network, but I also can get like a touch of like the business side um, with the Hokie Club and, and learning more about, you know, donor and life lifestyle or uh, life cycle of a donor and, and stuff like that. As far as like dipping into financial stuff. And honestly, like, I don't know. I've always wanted to be the voice of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, right. so I could be, I could be mad every weekend. Sure. Um, no, I'm so spoiled. They were so good when I was a kid and now I act like they're the worst, but you know, anyway, I digress. I, to be honest with you, man, if you would have asked me like a year ago, I would have just said voice of the Steelers or voice of the Hokies right off the bat. But right now I'm, I'm just trying to be like the most well-rounded, like media and communications professional as possible. So like, I, I, you know, if that makes any sense, I know that's not really a particularly sexy answer, but I'm really enjoying this in venue host stuff, stuff, man. It is so fun because it, I realized, and I realized this at, at fan day where it's like, I'm a fan. Like I'm a, I'm a Virginia tech fan. Like I grew up watching the team. I don't think I watch them as, as much as you do. Cause when I watched, when I listened to y'all's episodes, I was like, man, Grayson has an encyclopedia encyclopedic knowledge of Virginia Tech football. And I got a good memory. That's probably more with the Steelers than the Hokies. But yeah, I I realize I'm a, a huge tech fan when I'm doing this. So like being out there and like making like a, a fan's experience, like I got on the video board or I got on Hokie Vision, they'll never forget that. They're always yeah. going to remember when they're at the game and actually really uh, they'll, they'll tell their friends about that. And the next week, somebody else will be like, well, what if they pick me to play on Hokey Vision or to play key play shuffle or or to sing a Miley Cyrus song? Um, I know that's a really long-winded way of, of asking, but or answering that question. But right now, I I, I guess I'm just so in, happy to be enjoying this new thing I've gotten um, rather than thinking in the future. But maybe ask me in in five years, and I'll have a new answer for you because it changes. Sure, I you know give yourself some credit, man, because I, I I think that's a great answer. Being being a Swiss Army knife and being well-rounded and being able to do a lot of things will take you a lot of places, I think. At least that's what I've been told. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's what everybody says to me. Yeah, like, that, oh, you should figure out new things to do, um, which is so hard. Uh, at first, like, Because when I was at Bluefield, I, I learned like fundraising stuff through other things they threw me into. So if there is any, like, if there are communications or journalism or sports media analytic students on here, like, please branch out and learn new things because if you're just going to, if no one's going to pay you to just call the games, no one's going to pay you to just, I mean, I guess they could, but you're not going to eat off that. Just do in venue hosting. You got to find your a way to make yourself more marketable. And I, I did some soul searching this summer, trying to find something like that. And it, it's really awesome how things worked out and I'm here now. So that takes us into the lightning round. Uh, basically, if if you listen to the Sons of Saturday, this is how this works. It's a few just easy, quick lightning round questions. And honestly, man, take as much time as you need to answer them. Okay. I mean, that, that goes against the grain, but it's, I mean, they're quick. <laughs> number, one, right. number one, right off the bat, favorite dining hall? Uh, West End. Definitely. Why? Well, I always, <laughs> wait, the way you snap back at that, did you disagree with me? 
I all I always want to know why Abe's okay. favorite dining hall is their favorite dining hall because I, I I know why mine is. So I'm got curious. you. I really liked uh, I really liked the prime rib sandwich and the salmon sandwich, and I you know I I graduated from there in 1865. So oh that's you know I'm, the point is I'm old. Uh, I graduated there a long time ago, so I don't know. It feels like a long time ago. But I don't know if they still have that. Yeah. Um, 2018, I, Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I love those sandwiches, man. And like the smell of it was always really good. And I lived in Harper freshman and sophomore year, so I was right next to it. Uh, yeah, West End, definitely. All right. I uh, I, I got to counter that. I, I'm, I'm an Owens guy and I'm partial to Owens because I, yeah. lived, I lived in O'Shag. So right. it, was the, it was the closest one. And they have chicken parm day. And it's just, you know. See, the line was always mega long for that, though. You got to so, you got to tough it out. Yeah, that's true. Okay, <laughs> it was still good. I got you. The sandwiches there were good. Yeah. I I remember having a ranking of the 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 fantastic Frank makers because oh if they gosh. would put way too much pesto sauce on, it was like I didn't order soup. I ordered a sandwich. That um, is true. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a really good point. Oh, good lord! Now I'm craving a fantastic Frank. <laughs> uh, favorite downtown bar. Specifically, if you are, it's a night out on the town. Oh, Sharkies. Okay. Okay. So as a as an undergrad, Sharkies, and I still would say Sharkies, um, because I think that the my girlfriend always makes fun of me for this, but I think that the the beer the Bud Light there tastes better. I don't know why. <laughs> That's so stupid. I know, but I I think that the Bud Light does, and I know that they're a sponsor of this podcast, but I'm not just saying that I think it tastes really good. Um, it's, but I really, cold. it's very good. Um, it's good. God, I'm such, I'm such a bumpkin. Like, yeah, the Bud Light's better. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, it's either going to be that or, but as an, as a townie now, as I've come to be, I really enjoy cellar. The bartenders there are super nice to me and, and my girlfriend. And, and when we bring our families in there, uh, but still Sharkies, Sharkies is my answer. Right on. We love Sharkies. We just did a big event with them uh, a few weeks back. Shout out to JJ. He's the man. We love okay. Sharkies. We love Sharkies nice. wing and rib joint, man. They're the best. Yeah. Uh, favorite Blacksburg eatery off campus. Um, That's tough. Uh, I will say, uh, I really like Hello Bagel. Um, one of my best friends in college worked there, Kyle Cook. I loved going there. Um, and I tried to go there today, actually, but they're closed. I don't know if there's just management stuff they've got going on there. Um, I, I know that's not a particularly sexy answer, but I love their everything bagels there so much, man. I really do. I would go there all the time. It's really good. I'm a fan. Yeah. It's a little out of the way. It's a it little is out, out of the way. way. You got to drive out of the there. way. But I'd, I'd like make a morning of it. And right now, like with COVID, I don't think they let you like even eat in there. But I would always enjoy eating in there because they had fancy magazines. I would always act like I'm high society reading the New Yorker and they'd have like nice chill music in there. So hello, bagel. But also, also, I got to give a shout out to Elrod's because you're in and out of there in like eight minutes. And <laughs> like the people that they recognized me and my girlfriend downtown at Tots one time. And they're like, oh, it's Campoyo because that's what we eat, I guess. Because we're simple people like that. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, but Hello Bagel, number one for me. Rock and roll. Hello Bagel and <laughs> Elrods. 
Gucci L rods or OG L rods? OG. That's my OG. favorite one. Uh, it's quicker. Yeah, yeah, it's quicker. And it's, I like the fact that I have a theory because of that place. If the salsa music or if the music is like really loud, the salsa is better. That's a really stupid theory, but the music is really loud at L rod for no reason. Like <laughs> the, it it on. Yeah, for real. Yeah. And I think that yep. makes the salsa better. I don't yeah. know. That's dumb, but for real. you got two. You have two interesting theories. Bud Light is way better than Sharkies. <laughs> I, t- I tend to agree. And and yeah. if, the, if the music is slamming at L Rods, that the salsa tastes better. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> got to test that out when you come back. At, come back here. That's right. I most certainly will. Uh, locals only. What are you doing on a day off? <sighs> um, I really, I really like. Uh, so tonight I'm going to trivia with uh, a mutual friend of ours, actually, Amanda Rutledge. She says hi. Um, What's up, Amanda? And, yeah. Great. And, and uh, so, but on a day off, man, honestly, I'm probably walking my dog around campus. I have a, a year and a half old Shih Tzu named Margo. And the kids, like, she really likes talking, talking, she's a dog, but she really likes running up to the, the students and like getting loved on by them. Um, so I probably that, I don't know if that, that's like a, that's a kind of a serene answer, but probably sticking around. I think of the next week, man, I'm probably going to be sitting and watching the Sopranos cause that new movie's coming out. I want to like recharge for many saints of Newark, but as far as Blacksburg goes, uh, I'm, I'm walking Margo throughout campus and the students have been like mega welcoming to her and are always super excited. It makes my dog's day better. So why not? Old man Bailey out walking his dog. <laughs> Look at us, I know. man. We're I, 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 I want to I clarify to the people, I'm 26 years old, that Grayson and I are only a year apart uh, right. school-wise. Yes, but uh, me and my you know geriatric tendencies. But uh, yeah, probably that. And, and maybe going out to sell or meeting up. But we're at PKs a lot now, too, is like the athletic department. So probably hanging out there as well. Sure. Favorite Virginia Tech game memory? Oh, um, oh man, I uh, I really enjoyed. Oh, easy. Does it have to be uh, football? It can be anything. You know what? It can be it anything can, you want. I really enjoyed the triple overtime as a student. The triple overtime when London Perantis's ball was on the the flange of the basket. That's my favorite game I think I've ever been to because that just felt like we were doing something special basketball wise. Um, And obviously we were buzz had us on a little bit of a roll there. Um, And I know maybe, but another answer I can have is honestly my first day on the job as the in-venue host for that North Carolina game a couple of weeks ago was really special. And like, just to see like people like encouraging me throughout the stands. And then also we won and that was just an electric atmosphere albeit maybe too rowdy in some spaces that has been well documented. But um, yeah, as a student at basketball game and then as a professional, definitely North Carolina. That's awesome, man. So listen, we're going to move into the final element of this thing. Just shout out Sharky shout outs, man. This is the your time to shout out whoever you want to. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm oh, absolutely man. stoked that we got to do this, brother. Dude, this is this has been awesome. And, and like I said, I, it's been pretty crazy seeing so many kids walking around with the Sons of Saturday buttons and go to Sharky's for those Bud Lights that taste better there. Uh, and they got that on the glass. 
it's it's very impressive the way you guys have been able to market this thing. Um, I guess shout outs. Uh, I want to shout out my my girlfriend Heidi Clockenbrink um, for being super supportive through all this and all my existential crises uh, moving from Bluefield to here. Shout out my parents for helping me move here um, and also supporting a struggling broadcaster and. Um, shout out all of my, my friends that are likely listening into this to see if I say something stupid, but, uh, it, I don't know what I'd do without them either. So yeah, thanks. Uh, Sharky shout outs. That's perfect. Bailey, thank you so much for joining the sons of Saturday or at least one of the sons of Saturday today. Um, you know, all the best to you. Can't wait to see everything that you do, especially with the, uh, in venue hosting stuff. And, uh, we'll be looking out for you. Well, got you, man. Well, thank you so much for having me on. And, and once again, congrats with how big this has gotten. And uh, I feel pretty honored to just be asked to, to do this. So this was super fun. Absolutely. Well, that's all we got for the for the preview and the interview with Bailey Angle, y'all. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand by to saw you. Dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know it's what you're thinking. Please don't let us let it sink and trash.